Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. We have temporarily suspended our in-person service and will be broadcasting live via our Facebook page, Beacon Church, and on our website, beacon.church forward slash live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. until further notice. Beacon is a non-for-profit, and if you shop Amazon, you can support the work at Beacon by selecting the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization, and a small portion of every purchase will help move our work forward. Remember to shop smile.amazon.com and select the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. Thank you and hope to connect with you soon. Think about the words unshakable hope. What do they mean to you? What does it look like to have unshakable hope when your life feels adrift in a sea of fear, uncertainty, tragedy, or grief? Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now we cannot deny that there are a lot of storms out there, storms that affect our finances, our families, our futures. At times, these storms can rock our boat so badly that we fear it will sink. But people who have anchored their lives in God's Word know that when the tempest comes, they can cling to Christ and find He is there with them in the midst of it. Well, good morning. So many of those bittersweet uh, moments in life, like saying goodbye to our East Williston campus and yet knowing that we're moving forward in God's plan for us. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very special time, and uh, we appreciate all of your prayers. So do you ever wonder why we wonder? Like, why do we have so many questions? Because Pepper doesn't seem to have too many questions. I mean, she just, she mostly just hangs out. Occasionally she wonders what she might grab to eat. But, you know, I might be kind of freaking out about my stalled construction project. And, and, and Pepper's not. She's just sort of relaxing. And I might be wondering about the, the impact that a global pandemic is going to have on my family as well as the church. And Pepper, she just isn't. She just kind of wants a, wants a belly rub every once in a while. You know, I'm trying to strike a balance, like a work-life balance now that all of the uh, you know, all of the the normal ways we used to do that are, 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 are gone. And so, you know, we have all of these questions, things dealing with justice in our country or, or, or whether or not I'm spending the kind of time I ought to with God or maybe even wondering how is it that we as a church can, can help more and more people. You know, these things are just, they're constantly always on my mind and they don't seem to be impacting Pepper although it did seem she was concerned at one point about toilet paper. So there's, there's something going on. I'm not sure exactly what, uh, what that's about. You see, there, just, there seems to be a notable lack of angst that she has. You know, there's so many questions swirling around right now. You might, you might wonder why we wonder so much. And I, 
I think the reason that we have so many questions is because we have a soul. You see, when, when God made us, he, he breathed his breath into us. And, and when he did that, he gave us an eternal soul. So because you have a soul, you ask existential questions. Like, well, why am I here? Like, not right where you are, but more, more existentially. Like, why am I here at all? Why are any of us here? Because you have a soul, you wrestle with what's right and wrong. Because you have a soul, you get, you get weepy at, at sappy movies and beautiful sunsets. You know, because you have a soul, you long for connection outside of yourself, something beyond the physical, material world. You see, because you have a soul, you think about what happens when you die. It's because you have a soul. But here's the thing. In tumultuous times, the soul gets, gets rattled. It, it gets neglected. And in times of stress, the soul begins to get very thin if it isn't properly cared for. Now, this whole series we have been doing since Easter is about the promises of God that we get to cling to. And we've considered a whole bunch of promises uh, over the course of this series. Like, for instance, we, we talked about how God promises us that we're his children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What an incredible promise we get to hold on to. Another was that we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses. Man, that's so significant when we are struggling. We're told that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and that he's praying for us, that our name is on his lips. He prays for us in our hardships. He promises to forgive our failures. We had the promise that death will be swallowed up in victory. I just love that, that picture. That means that the time between the cradle and the grave is not our best life. I think that matters. We were told in one of these promises that though weeping lasts through the night, joy comes in the morning. These are just absolutely so beautiful. Max Lucado, he, he kind of summarized it like this. He said, since his promises are unbreakable, your hope will be unbreakable shakeable. I love it. It was World War II. Elmer Bedner, he was a navigator in a B-17 bomber. By the way, for uh, all of us out there here celebrating this Memorial Day weekend, so odd as it is, but it's so great to pause and remember uh, the many who have sacrificed so much for us. And I came across this story from World War II. Apparently, Bedner was, they were making a bombing run over Germany. And the interesting thing about this is that these bombers were these giant, massive flying fortresses. And they, would, they would send out just tons of them, but they had an exceptionally high shoot-down rate. They, they were just so massive, and, they were, and the Nazis had so many, so many uh, anti-aircraft kinds of uh, tactics uh, that these, these, these uh, giant planes were just known to get riddled with bullets and, and many of them actually would never come home. And so many of the bombers were always waiting for that tragic moment. And he, and he recounts a story that uh, they were flying and uh, at one point their plane took fire from these 
you know, these, these 20 millimeter shells, these exploding shells, and they knew that their gas tank had been hit. And so they couldn't understand it. They, they were just stunned because it would only take a single shell like that to take down a bomber if it got hit in the gas tank. And so they were just amazed. They flew all the way back home. They landed safely. And then later on, they went down to the, the mechanics and they said, hey, you know, can we get that shell that, uh, you know, that, that, we, that we know hit the gas tank? And he says, no, no, there wasn't a single shell. There were 11 shells found in the gas tank. And so they were absolutely blown away. And they're like, this is just impossible. It seems like such an incredible miracle to take 11 explosive rounds in a gas tank and not take down the bomber. And so they took the shells over to their armory and the guys who would defuse them and they, they took them apart and they found them to all be completely empty. No firing mechanism, no gunpowder. All of them were empty except, except one. One of the shells had a little note that was rolled up inside. And when they finally translated the note, it said, this is all we can do for you now. So those preparing the arms for the Germans were subverting their war effort. And it just gave me this picture in my head that, you know, no matter what we are facing, no, no matter if the enemy's bullets are whizzing all around us, no matter if we feel like at any moment we are about to explode, there is always hope. There's always hope. Today we look at a promise that helps us shore up this vital part of our being, the soul. So open to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. I guess I say open up, but you probably click over to Hebrews 6.19. Because when the sea is churning around us and the waves are buffeting our lives, the scriptures tell us that we need an anchor. We need an anchor. So go ahead and read this with me. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure. So there is a hope and it acts as an anchor for this vital part of our bodies, of our, of our beings, our soul. And it's a firm and secure hold. So you can think through the challenges that you and those you love are facing, right? You might be a single mom. You're trying to work from home. You're trying to school from home. You're trying to stay connected to people from home then there simply aren't enough minutes in the hours or hours in the days or days in the week for you to actually get everything done. I mean, it was, it was challenging before COVID-19. And now your soul swallows a few too many mouthfuls of water. Or maybe you've lost someone that you love. We have dozens of families who have been impacted by loss during this pandemic. And it's been made worse by not being able to mourn the way that we used to. Not being able to go to hospitals and cemeteries and things and everything's so different. And so you might, you might be experiencing sadness and, and even some anger and certainly loneliness. It begins to, to wash over you and the soul, it gasps for air just a little bit. 
Or maybe you're the primary breadwinner for your family and you thought things were tough before all of this broke out. But now it seems absolutely impossible. And so despair starts to linger just a little bit more and a little bit more as you watch your, your savings and your retirement plans and, and your college funds and your financial security to begin slipping through your fingers like water. And the soul feels that uncomfortable sensation of sinking. You see, sometimes it seems that hope doesn't float like it ought to. The soul starts feeling this riptide pull out into the deep. You know, the soul's a remarkably fragile thing. You, you wouldn't really think that that would be the case since it's the primary way that we relate to God. And yet, we're told that in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and when humanity decided that we would do our, this whole uh, living on this planet thing away from God, when we decided to go it alone, we're told that we ended up under a curse. And so our bodies and the world around us, the physical world, somehow broke. And our emotional makeup and our intellectual makeup, it somehow got damaged. And in, and in that, the soul also was damaged. And now it struggles to relate to its creator. See, that's why we need an anchor. Because an anchor will stabilize a boat I actually don't have an anchor of my own, so Chris brought his anchor by for me. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to Chris one day about anchors, and I thought, you know, of course, anchors are just anchors. You just throw them over, and anchors do the anchor thing. And Chris is like, no, actually, like, there's different types of anchors for different types of, uh, you know, of anchoring, and there's different types of lines that you would use, and how you, you, you secure an anchor, and how you pull up an anchor. And he, and he was going on and on about it, and I kind of glazed over with a whole lot of the details uh, because there was a lot to, to say about anchors, apparently. And um, he, uh, he tells me, this is the kind of anchor that we are supposed to use here on, on Long Island uh, because of well, he had a lot of reasons. And, um, and they were really, really good reasons, um, I'm sure. The point that I found so fascinating, of course, and that all of us realize about anchors is that, an, that, that what really matters what is so vitally important is that you have to be anchored to something that will secure you. You anchor to another boat, and what good is it going to do? You know, drop a little stake up on the beach and hammer it in a little bit and then anchor your boat to a stake up on the beach. It's not going to do anything. You can't, you know, even if you're, even if you're in silty, sandy sort of, of uh, soil underneath the water, you can just be, be pulled away with the current and the wind. But no, we've got to be anchored to something that is stronger than what we are facing. This is also why the anchor became an important symbol for the early church. In fact, in the early centuries, it's more prominent than the cross as an early symbol. It was found on a whole lot of like the, the grave sites and uh, the tombstones and in the catacombs. And so, you know, you'll see the familiar Christian symbol of a fish, uh, but you'll also see this little, this little carving of an anchor. And some scholars say, well, it's partly because, you know, they could, they could kind of envision the cross in the anchor. But most scholars point to our verse to say, there, the, the idea of an anchor matters 
because of what the anchor is promised to be for us here in the scriptures. And I, I love the fact that it often shows up in, in our rituals of death in the early centuries. Because when we begin to get into the imagery of what the writer of Hebrews was telling us here, it begins to make perfect sense. You see, this anchor that he's talking about goes behind the curtain. Now, I think that is such a weird metaphor at first glance, right? That's, look, look at the verse with me, Hebrews 6. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, so kind of draw that in your head, right? You've got a boat, you've got a rope, you've got an anchor, and then it goes behind a curtain, and it latches on to something behind the curtain, which if, you know, you've, you, many of us, we've grown up in uh, different religious traditions where we're not super familiar with kind of the stories of the Bible or the references uh, to the Bible, and so I just want to explain that, uh, that image a little bit because it doesn't make much sense at first, but when you start to get into the Bible story, you realize what they're talking about here is a reference to the temple in Jerusalem or maybe the tabernacle in the wilderness before that. And so the temple complex was a massive facility. They had all sorts of like outer courtyards over here where the people would come and gather and there were Gentiles over here and the Jewish people could come up here. And then you had this incredibly important part of the holy place, this part of the temple where the priests would do uh, their offerings and their sacrifices and things like that. But then there was a place at the very back of the temple structure called the most holy place, the holy of holies. And back there was what we what is called the Ark of the Covenant, which of course many of you know um, uh, because of the movies. And so, but between the the two of these is the curtain, the veil, and that curtain, it goes again, either name, the veil or the curtain, is what keeps the Ark of the Covenant separated from the rest of the priestly order as well as the rest of the people. And that curtain only would, would, there would a person would only go back there once a year, the high priest, in order to do a religious ceremony at the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark, of course, is super fascinating. This is a real picture of the actual ark that I exclusively found, um, a real photo of it. Um, and so the ark was just a box covered in gold. It had kind of angels formed on the top of it. And the inside the ark were the actual Ten Commandments. And so the, the stone tablets, the law that held us accountable was stored inside the ark of the covenant. And then on top of the ark, this lid was called the mercy seat. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest alone would take an animal sacrifice, the blood from a sacrifice, and would go into the holy of holies, the most holy place, and would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And it would, in effect, cover the judgment of the law. This is how the Jewish people receive the forgiveness of sins. So when the writer says that we are anchored behind the curtain, behind the veil, it means that we get to lock our hope on the sacrifice that took away our sin, death, and judgment. 
Now, what's so beautiful about this picture is we understand that it was Christ who was the true sacrifice. That he was, in fact, the the sacrifice and the high priest. And he offered up his sacrifice on the mercy seat so that we could receive eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. You see, that's why you've got to be anchored behind the veil because that's where eternity and forever connects with our world. This was the throne of God. The actual Shekinah glory of God used to rest above the mercy seat, this glowing representation of the presence of God. But the writer of Hebrews even goes further to say that was all still a picture of something that was really happening. What was really happening was that this earthly temple was a picture of a heavenly temple and that Jesus himself entered into the very throne room of God and offered up his sacrifice on our behalf in the very presence of the almighty creator. It was a picture of what was going on in the heavenly throne room. And so we get to be anchored in the work that Christ did on the cross. And we get to be secured in the very presence of the eternal God. The writer of Hebrews goes on in in chapter 10 to say, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain. He's picking up that same imagery again. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope We profess, for he who promised is faithful. See, it all comes back to the the promise of this permanent hope. See, we have this solid rock in which we get to anchor our souls and allows us to give up on, on worry and on fear and on anxiety and on distress and despair because we're anchored to something that transcends this world. So here's what I want to encourage you to ask yourself. Are you tied to something that is stronger than what you are facing? Is your soul anchored to something stronger and more powerful than any of the challenges that you are going through right now? See, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Everyone is anchored to something. Everyone. This is actually something that goes on with the soul. You see, the soul must cling to something. It has to. That's just the very nature of your soul. So what are you anchored to? I mean, maybe you're, you're anchored to your reputation or your resume. Maybe that's where you get your confidence. Perhaps you're anchored to a person, right? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you say, you know, if I, as long as I have that person in my life, then all things are good. Maybe it's a romantic relationship. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's your kids. We see this many a times. People are anchored to their kids. They're at the success and what their kids can accomplish. They see that as their legacy. And so they put all sorts of pressure on their kids to become something 
that they're not. Because, of course, we're trying to live vicariously through another person. Or maybe it's the idea of a relationship that you're anchored to. Right? You, you desire a relationship, and you really want a relationship, but it never seems to develop. And, and without it, you don't think you can have any sort of security or happiness. See, then you're anchored to the idea of a relationship, or maybe you're anchored to your money or, your, or the security that you think your money gives you. You see, in effect, what we're doing is we are anchoring ourselves to something that is just as easily tossed upon the waves as you are. And we do this all the time. And yet the scriptures tell us in so many ways, like, guys, gold gets stolen. Your wealth, it can evaporate. Investments can be wiped out overnight. Stability, it's overrated and it is untrustworthy at times like this. And so our relationships begin to struggle. And you must know it by now, your health always fails in the end. Always. And yet we try to anchor ourselves to it. I mean, how much prepping do you think you need in order to be sure of anything in this world? How much prepping would it take? So I'm, I'm like, a, I just, um, I'm a little bit of a prepper. I'm not crazy or anything like that, like some of those kind of crazy preppers. Like, you know, I, I, I like to have a little extra like water stored. I have big first aid kits. Uh, we do have go bags in the cars. And so, you know, it shows, you know, we got, and we got extra calories, you know, in the house at all times. So that, you know, in case anything happens and I, I just think we're following kind of sane guidelines, um, you know, doing a little bit of preparation for difficult, you know, difficult days. I actually have a storehouse. You know, people have been asking what we're building over at our, at our house. And so, you know, I got a storehouse, you know, kind of filled with stuff. I have a picture of the bunker as well that it's a part of. And so um, if you guys want to go and visit uh, my bunker or, or the storehouse or anything, you can visit it over at 10 Cloverfield and uh, just go check it out uh, whenever you would like. But of course, it doesn't matter how much prepping you do. There is actually no real security in this world. So do you, do you anchor yourself to the right thing? Do you anchor, anchor your hope in the crazy, sacrificial love of God? Because that's what we need to do if you want unshakable hope. Now listen, those of you who are watching here this morning and you're saying, you know, I'm not really sure I understand what you mean about anchoring the soul in something beyond me and outside of me and in this Jesus thing because, you know, I, maybe you went to CCD and maybe, you know, you grew up in religious education and all that, but, you, but these are some new ideas or some new concepts or maybe you had like a, you know, that, that, that kind of crazy Jesus aunt who used to tell you about these sorts of things and you didn't really like listen too much because you had a whole lot of other stuff to do, but now you're wondering. You know, maybe, maybe you had a grandmother who was always praying for you and pointing you toward the Bible or toward Jesus. And listen, what I, what I want to encourage you is to consider today anchoring your soul in Christ. See, if you're at a place where you say, you know what, I don't think I can do this on my own. I can't save myself. I recognize that, you know, that my, my, my heart is filled with rebellion against God that I don't do things his way, that I have sin issues that, that continue to separate me from God, but that's not what I want. What I want is I want the blood of Christ 
to cover my sin. That's what I want. And if you're at a place where you can say, I, I want to put my trust in this eternal promise of Jesus. I want to hope in him. I want to anchor to him. I want to take the blood that was shed and I want to apply it to my life. Then you can do that and you can do it right now. If you're willing to say, I'm going to follow Christ as Lord and Savior all of my days, no matter what that means, no matter what comes, I'm going to surrender my life to him, then you can do that right now. In fact, we have a little button. If you're using our, uh, our uh, actual platform on our website, uh, we're going to pop a moment out there that you can just click on and let us know that you want to do that very thing. I want to encourage you to take a moment and consider saying, you know what, I want to anchor my soul to the thing that is eternal in this world. And now, for the rest of you who are here, for those who you've already made this decision, but in tumultuous times, you're finding some, you know, some, some struggle and you're feeling some, some pull down and you, you need a, a boost. I want to encourage you to try out a, a discipline, a spiritual discipline. I want you to make a little, a little promise notebook, a little journal of promises. And it's a simple exercise. What you do is you just you know, grab a journal and, and when you feel something going on in your heart, maybe it's worry or maybe it's despair or maybe it's anger or maybe it's lust or maybe it's pride, whatever it might be, you just write that down and you say, yeah, today it's worry. And then you go searching God's word and you find some promises that are, that are in God's word that seem like they were written for you. Verses about worry or despair, whatever it might be, and you just write those out. And then whenever you experience that moment of worry, you go back to those promises, and it will help anchor you in God's forever trustworthy word. And so I want to encourage you to do this. You know, for me, if I, you know, if I feel like I'm failing and, or I feel like sin is getting the better of me, I go back to Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or when I struggle with doubts about God or heaven or why he would allow things to happen. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When I worry that I'm not doing enough for the kingdom of God, which is all too frequent, I go back to Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. I don't know what promises you will need, but look at Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Or consider Isaiah 40. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Those might just get you started, but there are so many. Find out what is going on in your heart. See where your soul is feeling the pressure, where it feels weak or afraid. Find a promise of God and meditate daily, moment by moment even, on that promise from God. Because this needs to be a daily decision, perhaps even more than daily, in order to secure your soul in God. Listen, you need to forget about the, the persistence of the problem. And instead, you need, you need to ponder on the power of the promises of God. I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to be leading us in a time of communion. And uh, as they do that, I just want to offer up a prayer for all of us here this morning. Lord, we come to you in these unusual times. And we have been, over the last 
weeks reflecting on your promises, reflecting on what they mean to us in the midst of these crazy days. And Lord, what we have found is that you have a promise for every challenge. You have a promise for every heartache. You have a promise, Lord, when we are down and out and we feel like we're at the end of our rope, you have a promise for us. Lord, when we are struggling with doubt or fear, your word can encourage us. Your love is an example to us. And we know those promises are sure because you, Father, have proven your love and your power to us time and again. I'm asking, Lord, that even in these moments, there are people here who are watching, who are listening, Lord, who have never yet decided to follow you, to give their lives wholly and entirely to you. And Lord, what I'm asking is that you would cause them in these moments to hear your still small voice and to trust, to reach out, to put their hope and their salvation in your hands. And for so many others, Lord, I'm praying that you would meet them exactly where they're at, in their loneliness or in their sadness, in their fear. I pray, Lord, that you would enter into those moments with them, that you would wash over them with your love, your mercy. And I pray, Lord, that they would be renewed in their strength, that they would, that their strength would hold because their anchor is secure behind the veil. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.